0: Session with Dr. Farid Holakwi.
1: Good afternoon, welcome to In Session. I'm your host, Dr. Farid Holakwi, and I'll be with you for the next two hours here on Radio Hamra. Studio number to call in: three one zero four four one. Five one zero five five five. Sorry, I was reading the wrong number. Three one zero four four one zero five five five. You can also follow me on Twitter or Instagram, or like my page on Facebook to get updates on the show, or suggest topics or books for the program. And the shows are uploaded at the end of each week to my SoundCloud page and podcast on uh, Apple, iTunes, and Spotify. Again, our studio number three one zero four four one zero five five five. So didn't do a show Monday because of the Martin Luther king jr holiday so we'll do the summary of last week's book now but the book of the week for this week is why we believe by augustine fuentes why we believe evolution and the human way of being i just uh, saw uh, something about this book sounded very interesting explaining why humans you know we talk about what we believe a lot of times but he's a anthropologist i believe in. Looking at, from an evolutionary perspective, why we might believe. So I think that sounds pretty interesting. Look forward to reading that and sharing it with you on Monday's show. Book of the Week for last week that I'll talk about today is quite a, a book that I'm so happy I read. And we'll continue to read more of his work, Marcel Proust, A Swan's Way by Marcel Proust, which is... The first of seven volumes or seven parts of In Search of Lost Time. So in a way, it's considered all one novel, but it's essentially broken up into seven parts. And this was the first one, Swan's Way. And you've heard me talk about adding literature or fiction more to the books that I talk about on the show, both for myself, but of course to discuss on the program and... Every time I do, I'm happy that I have done that, and this book was no different. Marcel Proust, I'd heard his name many times and knew he was known to be a very deep writer, and that's really what you experience reading, uh, for me at least, this book. Every time I go, throughout the week I'm reading the books, of course, I felt like I was jumping back into his mind. Not just a world where you're jumping into a story, but really into his mind, because the story is interesting and does capture you, but really you get more interested in the story because of how he describes the character's thinking, their feeling, what they're going through. And uh, there's so many moments where you're reading something, or for me, I would read something, I was like, oh, I, I never really thought about that, but that's so true. He makes so many um, explanations about what we go through as human beings and relationships, our feelings, family relationships, different things that you, um, in a way, at times, I was like, he's actually one of the best psychologists I've, I've ever read, because what he's talking about is the human experience. Now, this book, one of the more famous scenes or things that people know about Marcel Proust, and especially it occurs in this book, Swan's Way, is about the Madeline. So Madelines are these French um, kind of like tea or coffee cookies. You've probably seen them. They kind of look like seashells. And in the book, the narrator, who we in a way assume or I've read is supposed to be basically Marcel Proust in a way, but not directly as if this is an autobiography. Um, he takes a bite of a, of this Madeline as an adult and it takes him back to when he was a child and his aunt would give him... Um, The Madelins would soak it in some tea and then give it to him when it was a little bit softened up. And so he takes this bite as an adult and all of a sudden, all these memories rush back to him. And so in that way, it's like a uh, instance of what we can call involuntary memory. It's how at times it's described. But basically, we've all had this experience. You hear a song and it takes you back to a certain time where you smell something and you remember someone or something. From your life, and so we see that all of a sudden he takes this bite, and all these these memories just unfold, and he's trying to capture it again, essentially. And a lot of what he tells in the story is the way that he's recaptured this memory. And so um, Proust, actually, there's a book called Proust was a neuroscientist, which, in a way, is making a play, but also very true, that the way he talks about how we think feels very real and i think you'll connect to that if you read from his writings that the way we think about things the way we experience things feels very much um how he describes it and you feel like you're in different people's brains or heads uh, so to speak Um, in that way the narrator is telling a story but there's a way he's an omnipotent narrator because he knows the thinking of different people. So there's a way where you know it from this perspective of this man who also a lot of the story is told as he's a child. But then the middle section of the book, which is the longest section is called Swan's Way. And in that part of the book, it's about Swan, Monsieur Swan, who is falling in love with this woman named Odette. Uh, And their love affair is quite fascinating not necessarily as I was saying because the incidents are so interesting but looking at the thinking and how they think about things Um, how he uh, what I thought he does an incredible job of doing is the way we idealize people or the way we think about people recognizing how much of it of it is them but how much more of it is what we fill in about them so when people meet someone to date or, or to, for a relationship, we know that what we make of them in our mind is partially made up of who they are and what they've shown us, but also a lot of it is what we've made up in our own head. And so it's interesting seeing how he described, for example, he would see her face and imagine the face of this painting, and then it became kind of the same thing. And so he even would recognize that he wasn't so attracted to her but she kind of became something different for him and so it was interesting to see this exploration of how he thought of this woman and how he of course was trying to pursue her but wanted to show he was interested but didn't want her to get bored of him and all those kinds of games we can call them but how they played out in his head and what he was trying to make of them with her and how much he would be hurt by her in different ways Um, that also is very clear and you feel his pain when she starts to lose interest in him or he uh, is not sure if she is with other men as well or even other women and he gets very concerned about that and and jealous about that and describing his jealousy was very interesting how it would come and go which is often the case with with jealousy you might feel it come back but then when it goes away you wonder how you were even jealous before and so we see him go through all of these various uh, types of uh, explorations and things throughout the book so it it was quite fascinating and what I thought was interesting you know you read about a hundred or so pages of him in love with this woman and pursuing uh, her and at the end this is the last part of that section this is a quote from him Monsieur Swan he says to think that I wasted years of my life that I wanted to die that I felt my deepest love for a woman who did not appeal to me, who was not my type." Um, So it's quite interesting in a way showing that he had created her to be something she wasn't, but also the ways that we try to comfort ourselves or make us feel better after things happen. Um, And in a way, a spoiler, what you actually find out in the next section when now he goes back to when he himself is now a child, which is going forward in time, the the narrator. Swan has married this woman but that's not really the focus of that you kind of see it in passing or uh, after a while it, you, near the end of the book you see that actually the, the mom's name or the wife's name is that same name of that woman he was in love with so that was quite fascinating there's there's also in that section about um, his love for this woman's uh, Odette Swan and Odette's love affair that there's a piece of music that becomes so important in their relationship or defines them. And so again, it was this um, importance of how we attach feelings or a certain feeling is brought up by different things. A song could make us think of our love or a family member or someone, and now it is imbued with something different. It's not just the song anymore. The song in some ways represents them or represents our love for them. So now it feels different. And the last section of the book is called Place Names the Name. Um, and also, you know, it's, there's some talk in there about names and how they give things significance. And I always think that's interesting when you think of someone's name or uh, how a name um, gets significance. And since the book is uh, French and my cousin Pega had a a baby and they gave her a French name Colette. Now that name Colette to me, which if you said it to me a year ago, maybe I'd say it's a nice name. Now it has so much significance because it's attached and it is this baby, this, you know, little girl that I love very much. And so when I think of that name, I can't think of that word anymore without thinking of her. And so in that sense is a beautiful thing. But we experience this in life. You might meet someone. Um, And I've talked about this before, if you see their, let's say their name on your phone, at the beginning, maybe it doesn't feel like much, but once you start to feel closer to them or have more feelings, now that name, even the way it appears on your phone will give you a feeling before you even see what they have said, maybe butterflies or that anxious feeling or excited feeling. And then over time, it might turn into a more loving feeling, a strong, secure feeling. But then let's say if the relationship does not work out, Now it might even bring up anger or pain or other feelings. And eventually um, you might feel very heartbroken when you see that name, very sad and a bunch of negative feelings. And then over time, that same name might lose that significance. And now you might not feel very much, which is interesting. So that same name goes through this whole uh, evolution from almost meaningless to having positive associations, good feelings to having some maybe negative feelings and then going back to not being very meaningful at all. So that's that's interesting too. Um, I highly recommend the book and so I said it's a seven-part series and I was contemplating will I read the whole book essentially or the whole series and once I got to the end of the book and I was so moved by it I ordered the next five so they'll come slowly and then I'll probably read them. um, Not every week I think it would be too much to read them back to back, even for the show and for myself, but um, I do want to continue reading the book because you you essentially are getting a philosophy of life from him, uh, from Marcel Proust. And I think that's true when you read any fiction. And we want to choose who we listen to wisely because uh, anyone can express their philosophy of life and we might be affected by it, but we do want to be aware of who we are listening to. And from my experience in reading this book, I found him to be someone that i did want to hear more from and learn more from in understanding some of his mindset or view about life about relationships relationships about love um, even about time and the book is about in search of lost time and he wanted to marcel proust to have an impact on people and the way the book is about not wasting time or how we reclaim time um, and even at the end of the book we see him trying to remember how it felt to be in this same street or in the same area, and and it's so different, it's not the same. But he also says at the end of the book that really that place never in a way existed, and and so it's interesting his uh, explorations on things like memory, where when we think of memory we often think it's just a recreation of a a real-life event, but really our memory is a creation in and of itself. Yes, it's in a way we can say it's based on a true story like we see in movies sometimes where it's not really exactly what happened or some snapshot of time, but it's going to be affected by our feelings and and different aspects of ourselves during that time and also the ways we've remembered that event over time. Every time we retell a story, we are in some ways affecting that memory and it can change. And this is even really important in things like testimony when people are giving eyewitness testimony or things like that. The ways that the police or the investigators are asking the questions can affect how the person will in the future remember that the same incident and could actually in some ways affect um, what they remember and how they remember it. But the book itself, Swan's Way by Marcel Proust, I I highly recommend it. it. It's like going into a deep dive into someone's brain. I really felt each time I was going to read Um, Some pages from the book and it was hard to read just a few pages because you would jump into this Mindset into this mind and into this story Um, So I'd usually try to read it in bigger chunks, but every time I did I felt like I was um, Going into a not just a different world or place, but into someone's mind and I think uh, great literature comes when someone is able to convey the thoughts and feelings in their head as clearly as possible to you, the reader, and I, and I felt that was done beautifully in this book. So, I hope you will read from Proust. This was *Swann's Way* by Marcel Proust. Let's go to a commercial break. Studio number three one zero four four one zero five five five. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Studio number three one zero four four one zero five five five. Let's go to a caller.
0: Hello, Hello. Dr. Holakui. Yes, hi. Hi, how are you? Thanks for taking my call. My
1: pleasure. Thanks for calling.
0: Thank you. It's my pleasure. Uh, Dr. Holakwe, I have a question about my divorce. Okay. I was married while I was 23, and uh, after four months, I got divorced because my partner, he was addicting to gambling and to alcohol, and he was cheating on me. So uh, I got my divorce. I got separated, and it took about a year to get my divorce. And right now I'm 34, and I met a couple of guys, but the guys i my meeting, the Persian, and as you know, based on our culture, divorce is not acceptable. And as soon as I'm telling a guy that I have a divorce, you know, they don't like it, and they're like, uh, I'm not into the girl whom she already had a divorce so I was wondering how soon should I let a guy know that I was married and I have a divorce and you know I don't want the people judge me like based on that so uh can you just tell me your idea please
1: sure so just so I make sure I heard you right you said you're 34 now yes and then you were married at the age of 23 for about four years Exactly. okay um yeah so it's there's a few ways to look at this or a few different aspects of it one is how society or specifically our persian culture and society looks at something which probably is wrong or makes too much of a negative emphasis on something like divorce especially for a woman which some of it comes from also the traditional mindsets about women and um even purity and things like that and that somehow I'm not the person they're marrying first. So we know that this is unfair that we put a double standard where there's more of a negative emphasis for a woman gets divorced than a man. There's negative for both, but um, that's there. And so I would want that to change, but of course you can't just change that reality if that's how it is. Uh, That's something we have to, you know, unfortunately accept and we can continue to change it over time, but in your Um, experience right now you have to be aware of that possibility now that being said it doesn't mean everyone is going to see it as negatively as everyone else Um, some people will be less affected by that the more traditional they are they might be more affected by it but it's something that's there now your question of when should you bring it up um, yes
0: exactly right now I'm actually dating a guy And, uh, well, I'm scared because as soon as I tell someone, you know, the majority of them, they don't like it and they're not going to keep dating. So I was wondering maybe after four times, uh, I have to let them know maybe, you know, because I'm pretty much sure that they like me, like my personality, but they just don't like the divorce. And, you know, it's not acceptable for their family. So the guy that I'm dating right Mm -hmm. now, it's been about... Uh, six months that we're dating but mostly it was talking over the phone and we just met four times and I don't want to hide that you know because finally I have to bring it up but I'm just scared like how soon should I let him know unless I have to know if he's serious about marriage or you know even though if if it's just going for like friendship or not even uh, a serious date still I have to let him know or not.
1: Well, just so I understand, you said you've been talking for six months? Yeah. I mean, so my first thought is in six months, it it should have already been shared with him. Um, I I can understand you're afraid to tell them because of their judgment, but we have to be aware that when we're meeting someone and wanting to get to know them, we want them to know the real us and know everything, and we're not going to, you know, in some way trick them into liking us and then reveal something feeling like it's too late now or they might feel like it's too late. So I can get that you don't like telling people because you've had this reaction from, it seems like, several men. Uh, But I think it's something to let them know sooner than later because there's a few things one is there's lying which is definitely wrong so if someone asks you you know let's say if they asked you if you've been married and you say no i would say that's very wrong the other thing is hiding something that you know might be significant and that's in another way of dishonesty so we might it might not be exactly lying but in a way it is lying if we know something let's say if you found out this guy you're talking to had four kids but he didn't tell you for six months you'd probably be like whoa that's That's a big deal. Now, I wouldn't say being married is the same as having a few kids. But if you know it's significant and you're holding it back, it has the same element of dishonesty to it. So I think it's important to let them know. Um, First of all, you said maybe it's not a um, he might not want something serious. I was
0: like, yeah, uh, what's the point to let him know, you know, unless I realize that I'm serious about this guy or. To realize that how serious he is about me, maybe that's the time that I have to let him know uh, I, I was confused.
1: Well, I'm I'm trying to also understand what's happening here. If you've been talking for six months, but there's no conversation about if it's serious or what's going on here. Like, what what's how are you getting to know him? What is your plan with this? I'm I'm assuming it's long distance. If you're saying you only saw each other four times after six months.
0: Yes. Well, actually, I know him. Through online dating apps yeah and uh, well uh, since he is in a field like in a major of education and the field of the job opportunity that I'm uh, going to earn it so I was really interested into him and I really didn't think that he maybe liked me but I, I mean I wasn't serious about him even though I did really like him the first time that I met him but since I realized that he has feeling about me, so I think that I'm scared and I wasn't sure yet that is this the time that I have to let him know or maybe if he's serious and he asked me that I have to be his girlfriend.
1: Well, so what I, I also hear you're saying is you're afraid to lose him, which... Exactly. But, but we can't let that fear make the decision for us of what we do. I, I understand you don't want to lose him, and so you're thinking, well, what if I tell him and I lose him? But do you really have him if you aren't able to be your whole self or share everything about yourself with him? So you the don't really have is, him either. Okay. Yes.
0: The problem is actually, the, you know what, doctor, I'm studying uh, um, data science. Okay. So he's in the field of the PhD of uh, computer science, and he's working for a very great tech company, And he really helps me in my education, and he can help me for like the job opportunity. And he likes me. We have a great friendship. So I was trying to keep it. I didn't want to mess it up with a relationship, like a serious relationship. So that's why that I was like, I'm happy with what I have right now. And uh, because my priority is right now my education and my job So I wasn't that much serious about a serious relationship. But since I feel that he has feelings and, you know, I don't want to make him mad or, you know, I don't want to mess it up. So I was like, I cannot play with him. So still I'm scared. And I'm thinking that should I just, you know, keep it like as a friendship or if I really like him, I'm not sure. I probably might lose him if I tell him
1: well in a way it seems like you want to have everything and not lose anything but you really can't do that and right now it might feel like in this moment it's working but it can last like this forever unless either he's just going to be a friend friend like not romantic relationship or you want to pursue something where you could lose some things yeah if you uh it doesn't work out or you break up you might lose his professional um type of guidance or ways that he can help you, too. But it seems like you're trying to freeze everything in time and and just have nothing change, but it's really not possible. So you're going to have to go forward in some way with him, I think, being more clear. If you realize, you know what, I think he's a good um, professional and, you know, for my education he can be helpful and I just want to keep it there, you can do that. But I think you're afraid of losing everything. Uh, and also the way you talk about him and maybe what you experienced in your previous relationship, I'm wondering what you look for in a partner as far as what you think you deserve or what you think they see in you. That maybe you're not giving yourself that sense that you deserve someone who's going to want to treat you well and, and be a good partner. and. And if this person doesn't, you'll find someone else. But it seems like you're coming from a place of, uh, I I won't be able to have another opportunity. Sometimes people talk about scarcity mindset where there isn't a lot of options or choices or things. And so you're just trying to hold on to everything. And that's a sense I get. You're trying to hold on to him as a friend, a personal person, but you don't want to lose this. You don't want to lose that. So let's just see if we can keep everything exactly how it is. But, you know, things don't happen uh, it's not in a vacuum, or it's not frozen. It's going to keep getting. You know, your feelings for him will get more, or maybe his will. We don't really know. Um, exactly. And so, I think it could be important to clarify. Have you got? Has it? Has it turned into a sexual relationship? Yes. Okay. So you don't know if he's looking at this as a short-term type of a thing.
0: Uh, well, you know what, doctor? Uh, he doesn't like kids. and I like kids. So I was thinking maybe we won't go for like marriage because probably it just doesn't work But I know that he has feeling and he likes me and you know uh, And I'm not sure that if I have like to change it for a serious relationship You know because I understand that after six months you have to clear your relationship
1: yeah, earlier than that, so, probably, but you're at six months, yeah. I mean, also, not to say it, it, you know it's late, but at 34, when you're saying you want kids, but you want to pursue someone that doesn't want kids, that's also something, I think, worth asking yourself what you're doing there.
0: At the moment, you know what, doctor, it's just because he's helping me a lot about education, about the job opportunities. He's able to make it, you know, so that's why. And I'm thinking that I have to make my education and get the job opportunity. So that's my priority rather than my relationship.
1: Okay, but then why would you turn it into a romantic or sexual relationship if you want it to be just professional, educational?
0: Um, I didn't want to start it up, but it maybe I just messed it up.
1: May, well, I don't know, or maybe you thought that's what he wanted, and you didn't want to lose him. I get maybe the feeling right, right. the feeling that you know you're giving in a lot of ways, is afraid to lose more than what do I want to get, and exactly. and that makes us approach things very differently because afraid to lose means okay. Also, don't do anything he doesn't like, including don't tell him about my own past, Um, and after six months of talking, well, maybe it was always, maybe it was more in a professional way at some points, but if someone doesn't know about your marriage, they don't know you very well. I mean, you were married for, uh, I think, at least four years, and it it took a long time, so I don't think he knows you very well if he doesn't know about that.
0: Okay.
1: Does that make sense?
0: Exactly.
1: So I, I think, you know, maybe even before the marriage, but There does seem to be a way if you're so afraid to lose something, um, what actually ends up happening is we can create a self-fulfilling prophecy where we do lose everything. Because if we try to keep everything kind of okay, we usually don't let anything actually become real, and that leads to everything falling apart. So you might not get anything, you might lose him in every way. Um, because you didn't want to really make a clear decision of what you want and tell him. You know, I think this is a good professional or friend relationship, but not romantic or sexual or whatever it might be, letting him know. Or you might go for it and try to have a romantic relationship knowing you might lose those other things, but hopefully having faith that it's not that he's the only way you can make it in your field. I'm sure he can be a great help, but even without him, You can also find other people to help you, and you on your own can do a lot. But you're making it, there's a lot of anxiety driving your decisions. I don't want to lose him, so I shouldn't tell him this. I don't want to, you know, do it on my own, so I can't push it this way. Uh, I want kids, but well, if he doesn't want kids, I don't want to lose him, so I should just stay here, and maybe my professional life won't keep going forward. So there seems to be the fear and anxiety driving your decisions more than what do you really want and getting what you want to be happy it's more just not to lose something rather going to what you want to actually get
0: right so basically do you think that i have to let them know the first time that i'm meeting them
1: not i mean possibly i think the first time it can make sense it depends on how serious you are with them and how long you've been talking let's say if you've talked to them one or two days, sometimes on, on, you know, online apps you meet and I always recommend seeing each other in person. Everything is a little bit different with coronavirus where seeing people can feel different, but I always think it's good to see each other quickly. So if it's a short meeting, you don't necessarily have to, but I think early on it it is important for them to know just like, well, let me ask you, would you want to know if they were married? Of course. Okay. So it's the same kind of a thing. Um, and, and to know, and, and look, if someone can't be with you, if you, because you've been married before, then you're not gonna, they're not gonna be the person for you. They're not gonna be a partner for you if they can't accept that. So someone has to be open to accepting that. So it doesn't mean you have to say, hi, the first thing you say is that I've been married before, but pretty early on they should know. Just like with kids, with this guy, for example, he's told you he doesn't want kids. That's important for you to know. Uh, and I'd also say important for you to think about, well, what am I doing going forward pursuing someone who doesn't want kids? Uh, when I'm saying I do want kids and then if you put time into this you lose that time and then you also um, it takes time to recover from a breakup and to meet someone else so are you giving up that opportunity again from this fear of losing you might actually lose the things that really matter to you if if having a child is very important to you is is that something you really want
0: no you're right
1: you do want no what I meant is is having a child something you really want
0: uh, yes, I really want to have a kid
1: one day. Yeah, and so what what happens is when we let anxiety make the decisions for us, a lot of times we try to prevent bad things from happening, but we actually lose the things we actually want. And so you could end up in a place where several years from now you're still in the same situation, and then you want to have a child, and then it becomes even harder to have a child and to meet someone then when when you're, you're older and want to have a kid. So... um Uh, you know, I think be aware of how much the anxiety is driving the, I'm afraid to lose this. And and even with him, it seems like you weren't sure what he wanted. So you didn't tell him from the beginning, I've been married before, let's say, and maybe even if he wasn't interested in that way, you could have pursued a professional friendship. And maybe you thought, well, he doesn't want that unless he thinks there might be something in it for him. Um, But I do feel like there's a lot of the decisions are coming from what you're afraid you can't get or won't get than what you might lose so I hope you'll be more clear with him for yourself sure. it doesn't mean you know and being clear doesn't mean you get what you want being clear sometimes you lose something um, but then you end up getting something better later on or at least you know what you're getting is what you actually want so good luck with that
0: uh-huh. thank you so much sure. I really appreciate your time
1: thank you nice talking you have a good day
0: yes well, thank you right, bye bye
1: okay let's go to another commercial break we'll be right back welcome back let's go to another caller radio Hamra, you're on the air hello hi thanks for calling
0: hello doctor
2: um thank you uh first of all i wanted to speak english because i don't want my voice to go in person and there and so first, I apologize if my English is not as good as you.
1: <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, and on my show, it's good. It's only in English anyway. So that'll work. And don't worry. So yes. far, it seems like you're speaking quite fine. So we'll be okay. Yeah,
2: thank you. Uh, I'm 40 years old and I live in Canada. Mm-hmm. And I have a 17-year-old son. And um, it's about two years and two months that I'm in a relationship with the a uh, canadian guy who is uh, about uh 52 years old mm-hmm. and um our relationship was going very well everything was so good until exactly before christmas around christmas everything started and we were so busy live in separate houses he has his own place i have in my own place and um he has uh, his he has a son from his previous marriage, and uh, who is as old as my son. But they don't live in this city; they live in another city, which is around an hour drive. The distance, and um, because of the COVID, uh, at the beginning of the pandemic when it started, he mm, because his son has not more than one girlfriend. He himself had told me that he has many girlfriends and he lives with his mom in another city. And uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, he came to his home and he told me he's there. And I said, you know, it's very dangerous because you are over fifty and I'm forty years old, and we have to be careful. Everyone must in their own bubble. And um, he said, okay, um, I will tell him. But again, after one, two months, again he came to his home and this time he brought his girlfriend with him too, and um, again, he I found out that he's at his home, and I kind of, I can say I lost my temper, and I said that you promised me not to see him. He, not only he has come to your home, he has brought his girlfriend, and they're sleeping at your home and using everything, and it's dangerous. We don't know who that girl is and who other people, what other people she's seeing, and also your son and his mom he doesn't know that his ex wife has boyfriend or not and what is she doing. She he doesn't like her at all and he tells me I don't talk to her. Just only because for the son. Mm-hmm. And um that time it was about nine, ten months ago. I don't know, it was just about the beginning of the pandemic and then the second time this time that he came to his home with his girlfriend so I got mad and I said for two weeks I won't see you we will be in quarantine and uh, after two weeks because at his job he goes to work he's a civil engineer and his work he's alone he doesn't see anyone and I said okay for two weeks we don't see each other and after that but because I let me my stop. Family,
1: he's, let me stop you there for a second. When you said he promised you, did he promise you? Like he said, "I will promise you, I'll never have yeah. him back." How did he say it to so you? he
2: he had promised. He said, "Okay, I won't, uh, I won't uh, see him just because of the pandemic. Or if I see him, we go somewhere outdoor, putting on masks like that." But he, uh, you know, he broke it, and okay. he again, his son came to his home with his girlfriend this time.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And what I would say um, is, you know, um, I know you said you lost your temper and now it's passed. What's really important is when we, of course, we have feelings, so it can be hard to say everything in the most, you know, appropriate way or the best way in the moment. But We want to make it clear what we're upset about because you were upset about him coming. But I think really what you were more upset about was that he broke. He didn't, he kept, he didn't keep his word t- with you. So yeah. that would be important to emphasize. This is what is Upsetting me. This is what hurt me. Not just he does this, you know, getting into the details of how many people they maybe have seen, which might be part of the conversation, but making it more clear I'm upset that you broke your word with me. Really making it clear what our upset is about. Um, of course, yeah, it's related to COVID and the risks that are involved, but it does seem that for you, that was the biggest thing was that he broke his word
2: yes actually the thing is that it was not the first time he lied to me yeah um and uh i first of all i have to say he's a guy who really loves me and he's always there for me and financially he supports me a lot and um he's spending a lot of money for me and my son and he really loves me all of this but i don't know he sometimes my problem with him is he sometimes tells some very small trivial lies that he doesn't need to do that i don't know why he does that? For example, first day I saw him, we saw we met in a restaurant, and he told me he's only four years older than me. And because his appearance is very good, he's good-looking, his hair is black and everything, not black, brown, and he has good hair, he has good skin, and everything is good because he doesn't smoke, he doesn't drink. And so he told me, later I found out, I saw his driver's license, and I saw he's 12 years older than me. And I didn't tell him anything. For one year, I kept uh, it. I didn't tell him.
1: (laughs) Hold on. Let's stop there. A few things. First of all, I wouldn't say that's a small thing that he was eight years older than he told you. When you're saying he tells me these little barely lies that are not important. (laughs) That's pretty important. And you not telling him for a year is kind of its own lie. I mean, the previous caller, we had a similar kind of conversation about when you're not telling the truth, when you're withholding something. Um, It seems like you were holding, you know, it's like you had a a gun and you had a bullet in the chamber ready for whenever you wanted to release it. Yes,
2: exactly. And that
1: itself. And so this seems to be a problem you might have with him. It's there's a, I don't think you actually want him on the surface to hurt you but maybe unconsciously you almost like this pattern of him doing something and you get to be the angry one so there could be <laughs> almost a codependency in your relationship with him where he's kinda of the bad guy and you're the good one so it seems like I mean if you're telling me one year in this beautiful lovely relationship that you knew he was eight years older than he was telling you I don't know 12 years.
2: 12 years.
1: Oh, so he was eight years older than he told you right? I mean, he No told, he
2: told me four, four or five years and then the thing is, I liked it. He was twelve years older than me. I don't want to go out with a very young guy yeah. who just wants to try other women. I, I thought, oh, it's very good that now he wants to settle down. So I didn't uh, say anything. And he told me later that I, when I saw you, you are so beautiful, and you, I don't look like forty. Every uh, outside people when they find out my age, they get shocked. Oh, you don't look more than 25 all these people tell me and he said you look so young and beautiful and I really love you I was scared if I tell you the truth you don't accept me and don't go out with me and I just when I told you I told him after a year because one night he told me I have to go to see two contractors that uh, tonight they have a flight they are going back to uh, Toronto so I must so visit him. I must. I must meet him. Meet them in a restaurant. It's for a very important contract. I want to make with them, and I believed. And that night he went, and uh, he didn't call me at all. Because always we are in touch. And that night he kind of disappeared. He didn't answer his phone, and I couldn't find him. And later. Um, in the morning around noon he answered his phone and um, I was kind of suspicious and I said I have to know where you slept last night where you were and finally uh, it came out that he told me we were in downtown with some friends in a restaurant and it was someone's birthday and then I found out some girls or women came there to were in the restaurant with them and then he started saying please forgive me because those people uh, drink a lot and I know you don't like drinking alcohol so that's why I was just so scared I didn't tell you so his friend called me and uh, talked to me and said that I was with him he, he hasn't cheated on you he just uh, there were some people that he was afraid if you don't like them and he didn't want you but it was our boss whose birthday was and we, did, we couldn't say no to him. And that was the second lie he told me. And uh, after talking to them and some things, and he just begged me. He almost cried. Well, not didn't cry, but almost. And he had because I said, I'm going to break up with you. I don't want to be with someone who lies. I never lie to you. Why do you lie? And it's finished. After that, the think lie Well, it's not finished.
1: Was, it's not finished because you still don't trust him. So oh
2: yeah, that was that time that I. T- he said, "No, I never lied to you. I. Mm, this is the first lie." I said, "Okay, you didn't. You never lied to me. So tell me, how old are you?" And again, he said the same lie about his age, but this time I think seven, eight years, something like that. He, but still, he didn't say. I said, "Tell me the year you were born." And uh, he was kind of. He was about to cry. He was driving, and he was. So devastated he didn't know what to do and I said he said 1972 and I said how about nineteen seven and nineteen sixty-eight and he was shocked and I said it's a yeah I know your age I was waiting for you to see if you want to tell me the truth or not but again still you are looking in my eyes and tell me you are lying to me mm-hmm. and he again started begging me please I cannot live without you and things like that and I forgave him or I as you say it was not finished but I because I really love him too I tried to ignore it and forget about it and finish after that after a year this is another lie that he uh, that was another lie he told me about his son and uh, that uh, when I was leaving his home I went to his home door and I said you lied to me and um, we are not going to see each other for two weeks after two weeks I see you and when I was leaving his home for the first time in our relationship, he swore. He said a bad word to me because he. I, I left him and I said I won't see you for two weeks. And he's a kind of guy. I in two years I never saw he loses him. He 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 losing his temper or using bad words. He never gets angry, and he never laughs very loud. voice. always he's a very sensible person, and it was the first time he did that. And I got so mad, I went home and I said, I, ne- I never use a bad word. You know, I don't like impolite people. And uh, he said, again, he started saying apologizing and sorry. I didn't want to, but um, he's my son. I cannot tell him, don't come to my home. What can I do? And I said, lots of parents are not seeing their kids. He lives in another city, and not only him, he brought his girlfriend. And um we didn't see each other for two weeks after two weeks, everything again back to normal and uh, after these I don't know nine months, something like that, this Christmas about a month ago, again he lied to me that uh, this happened that um, one night on december twenty six he didn't came home at night again and he has told he told me that he has a very giant uh, he, they have a giant uh, project in um, somewhere which is about an hour drive uh, in north of the province that we live, and it's a very cold place. And he's he's there, and he said uh, he had to sleep there that night. I said, why were your why was your cell phone off? And he said there was no power to turn on my uh, phone. And I said in that cold weather freezing weather you slept somewhere that there was no power there we are living in canada we are not in bangladesh yeah. or. let a- me
1: stop you there, there to- for a second because we, we're about to go to commercial break anyway but yeah you know the pattern you're sharing as i said it's almost like in some way you want him to be lying to you i know that sounds strange but there's something about this pattern that it's like he's it's happening over and over again and I don't know, but and you might not like to hear this, but it's more than likely these three or four times you, you know that he yeah. lied to you. He lied to you more than that. I mean, yeah. I, I don't think you've caught him. You, you know, I, I'm sure you're good at what you're doing, but you're probably not batting 100% as far as every time he's lying, you're catching him. And so there seems to be something that he always has. Well, I couldn't tell this person, my son, I couldn't. I couldn't tell the boss or whatever. The reason is somehow lying to you is is an acceptable um solution but uh, we'll continue after the break of course you can finish this story but there does seem to be some cycle here that you have with him where he lies or he does something wrong and then you punish him and then things are back to normal and then and then it happens again so yeah. we'll put you on hold let's talk some more after the break okay
2: thank you yeah i really don't know what to do yeah we'll, we'll talk some you. more
1: okay. okay we'll be right back Welcome back. Before the break, we're with a caller. Let's go back to her now. Caller, are you still there? Hello?
2: Hi, do you hear me?
1: Yes, I do. Okay. So we were talking before the break. um, We kind of had a cliffhanger there. You were telling the story of just about, I guess, a month ago uh, where your uh, boyfriend was. He said he was At a city that was very cold, but also then did not respond to you and said it was because there was no power, but you were suspicious because you're saying, how could there be no power if you're in a very, very cold city? Uh, So I'll let you complete that story and then we'll we'll get back to looking at the bigger picture of the relationship.
2: Yeah. And then that um, thing about not having power there, uh, he later told me he slept in the warehouse and there, there there was no outlet but it was not cold. I have no idea about it. I don't have any clue. I don't know what he's talking about. He said, you have to believe me. I'm not telling you any lie. And that's all. I said, you could go back. You could go to your car and charge the phone and just let me know I was worried for you because that road is very dangerous. And I was scared if you had an accident, you didn't come home. I was not thinking about lying. I was just so worried. Even when around noon, I left home to go to his home to see what's going on there, to find him. I was even worried if he had a heart attack at home, anything has happened, why he's not answering, why he's not responding. And I told my son that I'm going to check on him, and if I don't find him, I have to call the police because he's disappeared. And when I went to, I was driving his home halfway, I suddenly saw him driving his home and I was behind him. And he went home, I went home, he pretended he hadn't seen me, I'm sure, absolutely sure he saw me later, he said, I was not sure it was your car or not that's not important but i talked to him he i said where were you he said i'm coming back from work and i couldn't believe him and uh you know it was a big um argument happened between us that day and i said i i have to he said i can take you and show you where i slept and i think maybe it was my mistake i said no it's a very long drive i don't want to come and see but he said i can take you right now Let's go and show you where I slept. There was no outlet. It was a warehouse. I slept there. The thing is, doctor. One thing I have to I forgot to tell you that he really um, loved me. I know a lot. I know he met me. He I I think during these two years he really put himself in a lot of financial things to make my life better. For example, he changed my car. He bought a very expensive car for me, and he's paying for. Lots of stuff for my son's school, for my rent, everything. Not, I didn't, I never asked him, he always, he always said, I love you so much, I don't want don't want you to have any pressure. I want you to be relaxed and things like that. So <coughs> gradually he did everything himself. And he says, because I have to pay all these payments, I have gone through a very big contract and I'm working hard even on Saturdays I work. I just want to make sure that everything is okay. Because his son goes to a private school, too, and his ex-wife is so demanding, always asks for thousands and thousands of money from him, and he has to pay for them, for us, for himself. And he has a very expensive car, so his car payment, my payments, and everything he says, these are all the things. And one other thing is that once in a while he used to do some testosterone shots, Himself, and then I changed our family doctor. I found a very good family doctor, and about some months ago, and uh, this family doctor about two months ago told him to stop every shoot. And after that, after a month, your blood becomes clean. I will give you a blood test, and then I will tell you how much testosterone you need and what other stuff. So don't use any supplements, anything. And he did it about two months ago and she had to ask him after a month he goes to her and um check do this, this checkups. but because of the very big contract that he's he's doing and when a lot of work that he's doing he didn't go there so i am just thinking maybe it's because of the lack of testosterone because he hasn't gone there yet and the thing is after that day on 26th of december that he i don't know where he slept and all the uh, big arguments that we had i left his home i cried and i left i said no i'm sure you have been you are cheating and you have done something you are not and i said give me your phone he gave me his phone and i went through his phone number i couldn't i didn't see any for example any woman's number, any messages, I went to his text messages with his son, and I saw his son was written in one of the text messages he had, he had uh, written, Dad, I had a very good day with you, and it was about two days before, so I read the message, and I asked him, when did you last see your son, and he again said, months ago, I haven't seen him, it was months ago, I said, it's months, many. M- yes, you told me not to see him, so I'm not seeing him anymore, and I said, "Are you sure you haven't seen him? It's months that you haven't seen your son?" And he said, "Yeah, I haven't seen him for months. I said, two days ago he has written that. I had a good day with you." And he again, he just he was freaking out. So quickly he called his son. He said, "Yes, I was with him only for two days because two days ago, I just went out with him. It was his birthday so I wanted to give his birthday gift to him, and I he wanted to see him. And I found out that his son her and his mom, they were somewhere that he was so close to the place that he's telling me he's working there with a giant contract that he has made. So I was so confused. I couldn't understand. I said, oh, my God, is this about two three weeks that he's going to that north of the province there, about one hour and a half drive? Is he there with them? And he's not. He's telling me I have a project. And I started accusing him that I know that that place is a very extensive place there, a a tourist place. And I said, uh, I'm sure you're spending time with them. You have brought them there and you're spending time. You tell me go working there, but you're spending... And he started, no, you have to believe me. I just saw him for one day. I took him to a mall and... Uh, bought some stuff for him as his birthday gift, and uh, I said, no, you're lying. So he called his son and put it on a sticker and asked him, uh, when did I see you last? And he said, uh, two, three days ago, we went out together, and uh, did we see each other after that? He said, no, and then he hung up, and I said, did you see I'm not lying to you? I, the only reason that I didn't tell you because you had told me I don't have to see him because of COVID so I didn't want to break his heart, and uh, I went out with him, and I didn't tell you. That is the only lie that I told you. You have to believe me.
1: But yeah, I funny. mean, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm not sure if you... It's interesting hearing your when you talk about him. You know, you're saying you're confused. Sometimes I'm getting confused because you're prosecuting him, and then you defend him. Like, you say how bad he is, and then you say you know oh he's because paying these for are two
2: aspects of him him, I I, cannot I understand. It out at understand
1: yes but i think you're not paying attention to what he's really you know even the things you're telling me well he ha- does he have to have such an expensive car you know I, I don't know these expenses don't really make sense it's like he wants to make sure uh, everyone sees him a certain way um, but he doesn't really care the costs that other people are paying, like you're paying in this relationship. Exactly. Yeah. But, but you're kind yeah. of, you justify, well, he has to, why does he have to, he shouldn't get you, you know, if he's saying, uh, you have to ask yourself, is it worth, he gets me a more expensive car, but then might lie to me or become this kind of a a person because of it, or he uses that as an excuse. And every time he lies, it seems like, you know, there there seems to be some narcissism with him, the way you're describing him, that whenever he gets caught, then he becomes the victim, you know, Uh, poor me Mm -hmm. that I'm the one, you know, I had to lie to you because everything is so difficult for me. Um, Mm -hmm. That's something has a manipulative flavor to it. And you're accepting it because it seems like you're, Um, I think you're more, it's actually interesting. The book I was talking about today, Swan's way, I was talking about the way we idealize. I feel like you're more in love with some idea of him than actually him.
2: What does it mean, uh, idea of him? Can well, I mean, he's like this wonderful
1: it? man, but he's lying to you in these big ways. Yeah. And then every time he's lying, you know, and it, I mean, what you're describing is like you're being, uh, I don't know what it's called in Canada, but kind of like an FBI agent. Like you're following him, you're checking him. I mean, th- there's no trust in this relationship. You don't trust him right now if he says, I have to go do something. or And then when he lies, it's always like, but I had to lie. That doesn't also show the remorse of, you know what? It was very wrong that I lied. It I didn't have to lie. That was my choice. So he he doesn't really take responsibility for his dishonesty. And you just accept it. It seems like you don't want to lose him. And like I said, there's something about this cycle. I don't know. In your past relationships, in uh, your marriage or, you know, something about this dynamic seems like it, it, it's familiar to you or comfortable for you, even though it's driving you crazy. But there's something about this that seems like you're used to it. OK, he's going to lie and I catch him. You know, even the way you said you knew for a year, that to me is very, very, um, you know, from your side, even suspicious of what were you doing holding on to that lie for one year? I, I'm not sure what you think you were doing with that was it you were waiting to see does he tell me was it a test to see if he will tell you no
2: the you? more the, I think number one reason was that I had no problem with his age and I liked him even. You
1: know? a Lied I know, but but see, okay, was, but then you have to be, holding. but I know, but hold on, then you can't tell me his lying is so bad when you're saying the lie didn't, I'm okay with him lying. See, the thing with lying is not always that the thing we're lying about is the problem, it's the fact that we lied. So if someone says I went on yeah. a date and they're 33 and they told me 31, that's not really a big of a difference It doesn't really matter that much, but the fact that they lied about it is a problem. It's not the fact that 31 and 33 might not even matter at all, but I would be a little bit, why are they lying in that way? So the fact that he lied to you, it seems like you didn't want to mess things up or you were holding on to it to use it against him. But but either way, to me, that's strange that you wouldn't be like, look, I I know you're not, I think he told you 44 when he was 52 or something like that. I I know Mm -hmm. that's not your age. Like, what's going on? And so he was showing you that he's lying or being dishonest, but you kept getting closer to him. That's why I want you to see that there's something about this cycle that seems comfortable for you. I know on the surface you would never say, and no one would ever say, I want someone to lie to me, but there seems to be something here that you don't, you almost want to be confirmed that he's not trustworthy maybe that men are not trustworthy is, is there anything like that in your past about men either your ex-husband or let's say your father being not trustworthy no, not lying
2: that is, the thing is my father was so good and loyal to my mom and mm-hmm. he never did such things and also my ex-husband he mm, was so dependent on his mom and sisters and he was very impolite and rude but not so things like lying some going out with a woman maybe because I never loved him I didn't care we had separate lives those days when okay. I was in Iran and then I divorced and came to Canada
1: okay so but so I don't I, yeah
2: I don't think I have some maybe one reason, I don't know. I really miss him these days because from that day we haven't seen some some other other things happened I can tell you but our relationship is completely has stopped. I can say, and I mm, just um, I don't know I, because I have his home key, and sometimes I go there and I check. I see he has put my pictures everywhere, and I'm sure he's not with any other person. He, even I went today in the morning. I saw he has put another picture of me and him in his living room, but he's not calling me, and he's not because I maybe because I really lost my temper I got mad and I said I called his son names and I called his ex wife's name and I said I'm sure that woman has found out about the relationship that you are care you are taking care of me and my son a lot so she's trying to come between us and ruin our relationship and he just i don't know hundreds of times he tried to tell me he texted me and called me and then i blocked his number and i think he really it broke his heart a lot when i blocked his number but after three four days i unblocked it so he started when he saw i have blocked him he texted me by whatsapp but you know but even you're telling me
1: the wife is the ex-wife is trying to mess things up why aren't you looking at what he's doing even you're giving him an excuse that the ex-wife is ruining the relationship, trying to get in between, he's the uh-huh. one that's lying to you. She's not lying to you.
2: I don't know, but I have seen a lot of ex wives
1: do.: Of course, they can do lots of things. Exes can do lots oh, of things. Your
2: son is missing you.
1: I know, but what I'm saying is you like I said, you do this thing where you tell me about how bad he is, and then you defend him so strongly and take him, make him completely not guilty, which is why I think you're doing something. Like I said, I feel like you're more in love with some image of him or something. You know, you said he's handsome, maybe there's something there, even the way you're in love of this image of he's taking care of you, it seems like he can't. If he has to take care of you and then lie or then become stressed out and do these things that you don't like, then he's not really taking care of you so much. There's also that side. Um, I, I don't know. There's something to me where you're not really wanting to see him and see this relationship as it is. You told me it's so beautiful. I'm sure there's a lot of good times you're telling me about these incidents that were negative, but there seems to be something unhealthy about the relationship that you might not want to acknowledge. And I don't know what
2: to do. Don't know what to do because even everything we had things to talk about. laughing and. Everything was awesome. Everything
1: was so good. The sound is coming. Your sound is not coming in okay. I don't know.
2: Pardon?
1: Your voice wasn't coming in okay. I wasn't sure if it was my headphones, but for about 15 seconds, I couldn't hear you.
2: I say I want to know if I am too sensitive about his...
1: No, lying is not okay. Lying is not okay. I think you know that it's not okay for him to lie. Does it, you know, you're buying into his story of I had to lie and the boss was going, oh my gosh, the, no, just tell me the truth. And I think again, the yeah. age, you didn't want to mess it up yourself. I know you're saying I liked that he was older. Well then tell him, Hey, I actually like that you're older. But I don't like that Mm -hmm. you lied to me about your age. And that's going to affect our trust, which it clearly has. Uh, You don't trust him. And I can understand that you don't trust him. But I think you're discounting that and you're doing, you're blaming yourself now. I got too mad. I don't know what you said. And uh, obviously, if the words are bad words, we can't say them on the air anyway. But you got mad at him. But it's understandable you got mad. But if he's not taking, telling you the truth seriously enough, you're not taking it seriously enough either it should be non-negotiable lying is not okay in a relationship several times about major things because i wanted to make sure you know i i get the feeling either he's a people pleaser or there's a narcissism there, where either he wants everyone to like him or keep the peace, like you're saying he's calm, maybe there's some of that, or he wants everyone to think he's so good and make sure everyone likes him. But either way, he can put you last in that, well, I'll lie to you if I have to, to make sure everyone else still likes me or everything is okay. Now, he does have a responsibility to his son, that's his son, there's something definitely there. But even within that, if he has to lie to you to meet those responsibilities, there's a huge problem. And I don't know how you are with him, but if you, you know, not to blame you for his lies at all, but we have to see when he tells us the truth, how do we respond to things? Are you reacting to certain things as well? Doesn't mean it's your fault, but to be aware of how you are reacting to him when he tells you something you don't like about his son or about something. But to me, these lies are are very, very important. But you see how big they are. They hurt you, but I think you don't want to lose him. So you lie to yourself. It's interesting, we're talking about lying. Mm -hmm. He lies to you, but then you lie to yourself that everything's okay, we moved on. You didn't move on. The trust is damaged from day one. The first time you met him, there was no trust. He he lied to you about his age. Uh, And it seems like that theme, and that dynamic unfortunately it's part of the foundation of your relationship that the lying mm-hmm. is the problem that you know this his excuses for lying he's not taking responsibility crying you know even what you say he cried about it i don't really i mean that matters but it doesn't really matter oh i'm sorry i did this i'm you know it makes it about him i'm so sad about what's happening i'm sad about the consequences he's not sad about lying to you he's only sad about the consequences and that's a big mm-hmm. problem Sad about what I did means I can't believe I lied to you. That is not okay. Oh, you might leave me. Oh, no, now I'm so sad that I lied. That's a problem. That shows that the lying is not being uh, looked at as the issue. The consequences are, oh, I'm going to jail now. Oh, I wish I didn't kill that person. Now I wish I didn't kill them. Okay, well, that's not actual remorse. That's just you don't want to face consequences. So uh, you have to be aware of these um, the lies, the trust is not there. It's not just you being too sensitive. It's actually in some ways not being sensitive enough to the things you were realizing were not okay from the beginning and listening to those things, that it was not okay.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We do have to to go to a commercial break. We have other people on, on hold, but I hope you'll take that part seriously, that the lies but are the, not but okay.
2: Doctor, I want to know what to do now. Can you please tell me what is the best choice? What is the best thing I well, have what to what do? do? You, because
1: what do you want... You know what I do? I want to give you a chance to talk about what you want to do next. So I'm going to put you on hold, okay. and then we'll be right back. Thank okay? Thank you so much. Okay. Okay. Thank we'll you. be right back. Welcome back. Before the break, we're with a caller. Let's go back to her now. Caller, are you still there? Yes, I. Think. Okay. Thank so you you're too. you're asking what what do you want to do now? So tell me first what, yeah, what I- do you want to do.
2: Just one thing I forgot to tell you that during these past two years that we've been together, my son made a, built a strong bond with him, and they, he really loves him. And he keeps asking me, "Where is he? And what's happened?" I didn't tell him everything, but I told him most of the things that have happened because I couldn't hide it because he's living with me and. I had to tell him, and he says, Mom, I think he really loves you, but he just tells you very stupid lies that he doesn't need to tell them to you, and maybe it's because he really loves you. He doesn't know what to do. And now it's a, more than a week. Every day, he last week, every day, he told me I call you tomorrow. He didn't call. And then suddenly he texts me in WhatsApp, Why don't you want to see me? And I just answered... Every day you said I call you tomorrow, but you didn't call. Then now I am the one who doesn't want to talk to you, and um, I really miss him a lot. I have his, I just see lack of his presence in my life. My son likes him, and he was always there for me every day, every hour, every minute we were together, just except the times he's at work. But now I really. Can don't know I miss him a lot. Almost every day I cry when I remember our memories. And I whenever wherever I go I remember he always took me. He didn't let me drive. He always took me and we had coffee and food together and we did lots of stuff and. Just I asked him uh, that night, two nights ago. He texted me, "Why don't you want to see me?" I am. I told you what I replied, and I said you were supposed to have a blood test at doctor, family doctor. Did you go? And he said, "Oh no, I forgot because I am too busy." I will call her, but now and I I will call her and talk to her. I have to go to a lab, I think, for a blood test, and I it's two days again. He doesn't text, doesn't tell me anything, and I really don't know because. It's, I cannot imagine any other man in my life. I really love him, but I don't know. You say these lies are very important. Well, I call to see if maybe I am too sensitive, but you say no. Well, what the do lie you?
1: Th- well, here's the thing: you missing him, or wanting to be with him right now, to me is not an indication that you necessarily should. It doesn't mean you shouldn't. You know, sometimes people break up with someone they say, "Oh, I still miss them after two weeks." Maybe that means. We're supposed to be together it's like no when you break up you're tearing an attachment it takes some time so having positive memories of him in and of itself is not enough i'm not saying it doesn't matter but people can be married 30 years and then find out the person had an affair they have 30 years of positive memories too but it doesn't mean they have to stay together because of that also the way you're saying he takes care of you that's nice but there's a way it's almost like he's making you feel like you can't live without him or something the way you talk about that which i'm sure you can and you do um, but I, i'm not saying I, I you have to make a decision for yourself obviously and how important it is to you is is how important it is but i hear in your voice that you say it's important because it is important but then i feel that you're afraid to lose him so you find you like mm-hmm. to buy into his excuses that you know what he is yeah. so busy you even right now with your son that's nice but i wouldn't say you have to stay with him because Your son likes him or your son's assessment of the relationship what you're feeling matters you know couples i know he's not um your son's father but you know couples sometimes will say oh we asked the kids they said they don't want us to get a divorce well kids are never almost never unless things are really bad gonna say i want my parents to get a divorce so he likes having him around that's nice i'm not saying and i'm not trying to paint out that this guy is a bad person i'm just saying what i'm hearing in you is that you discount the lies They're important to you but then you discount them out of fear of losing him and I wouldn't want you to do that but you you have to decide um what you want to do and I did tell you my concern that his responses to when he is caught lying is to make excuses and to somehow make himself the victim oh I had no choice this was happening you know there isn't a lot of remorse in it it doesn't seem like he thinks lying to you is wrong
2: yeah. Do you think, for example, if I put conditions, if you, if I catch you red-handed one more time, if you tell me another lie, then I break up, or I tell him, I will. I don't know any kind of punishment I put, or it doesn't well, work.
1: See, that's body. that's the thing where you say even the word punishment, um, and that seems to be part of the relationship too. Of you, you know, you're trying to punish him. I'm leaving for two weeks, which of course is also quarantine, but there was like a you're giving him time out, um, and so that that type of dynamic in a relationship is almost always going to be unhealthy where you're punishing him. It's not giving him consequences to punish him, but you do have to ask him for what you want. And it's not, I'm going to catch you red-handed and then I'm going to punish you. It's that this is not okay. Do you care about my feelings? What do you care about me? Um, mm-hmm. And he that's the part where I'm not getting when you have these conversations with him. Does he see how it's hurtful to you when he lies? He's just... From you, what you've shared is that he's defending himself. Does he acknowledge that part of what you go through?
2: Yes, a lot. He said sorry many times, and I know I hurt you, but I didn't want to hurt, to break my son's heart. But he said many, many times he apologized, and now he's, I think, kind of mad that I apologize a lot, but it seems that he don't want to forgive me.
1: Okay. And he I told don't...
2: it to me already.
1: Yeah, and it seems like, well, because he has done it again and it keeps repeating.
2: Yes, yeah.
1: I mean, so yeah, you know, part of an apology is I'm not going to do it again. But if you do it again, you're not, you don't really feel like that apology is genuine. I don't think you have the sense that he's not going to lie to you soon. So what do you think is your next step? What would you like to do?
2: i call to ask you doctor i really Mm -hmm. don't know i to my tendency is to be with him because i really miss him but if everything go back to normal i think again i always have this fear that he even i have that he lies to me so even i have put a condition that you have to put a tracker and i have to track you and it in my phone and always see where you go and what you do and he was doing that but it was a tracker that tracks both of us and i said i haven't done anything wrong to be tracked you have to find a tracker that only tracks you and um he mm-hmm. said i have to look for it we have to find another tr- tracker that only tracks me because here Uh, they have uh, it seems they have forbidden if someone wants to track okay but i don't know what
1: would be the problem if he tracks you but okay i i I don't know but again, it's like punishment you're trying to rebuild the trust it's not about punishment um i I think it's okay you know if he's tracking you also not that it even itself it's a problem though i think that you're tracking him you have to ask yourself again like you're an investigator when we rebuild trust we do need to do some of these things at times like you know, after uh, infidelity, if a couple decides to stay together, you do need to be over the top at the beginning with transparency. You can check my phone, you can check this because you need to rebuild that trust. But the way you're talking about it, like you said, it's a punishment. It's not about Mm -hmm. rebuilding trust. That's why I said there's something, some anger here that you almost like to express it with him or have that over him in a way that maybe if he owes you, that could be part of this dynamic, even from before. Well, he lied to me about his age, I can always hold that against him, so let me hold on to this until it might be in my favor to tell him something. So I do get the sense you're afraid to lose him. The the last scholar had some of that dynamic too. It seems you're more afraid to lose him, like you're talking about missing him, which is valuable and means something. But there does seem to be something missing in the relationship as far as the trust goes. And of course, right now, you, you can't imagine being with anyone else. That makes sense because you've been with him for a few years and you're still trying to figure out what to do with him. But that doesn't necessarily mean this is a, a good relationship. If you want to talk to him about honesty and things you can, I just think more than likely you're going to be very anxious with him. You're almost always afraid of losing him or that he's lying to you.
2: The thing is, doctor, the most important thing that the only thing in my opinion, to be honest with myself, I have to say that the most important thing that can cause me to break up with him if I find out he's with another woman. But I did a lot of investigations. Everything you th- you can imagine I did, but I never I, I don't, found but any pro- I, anything. But that's <laughs> a problem.
1: I know, but see, you're giving me like as if that's a good thing. The fact that you're going through all these lengths, it shows how much you don't trust him.
2: Because when someone lies... I, no,
1: I'm not, say, I'm not, I'm not, oh, I'm not, I'm not getting... Other things, of course. Other
2: things he's hiding from me.
1: Absolutely. And he told
2: it to me, he told it to me too, that, yeah, I understand it. I told, I lied about my son. Now you are thinking that how many other things I have lied, but I swear by God, I never, ever lied anything. Just the only thing was about my son, because you put a ban on it, and you said you don't have to see him. And I was scared if I tell you, you lose your mind, you lose your temper, and... it ruins our christmas holidays and things like that but it did it did worse so he says i understand that because of one lie you think i have but there wasn't one
1: but there wasn't one lie you've you we've only talked for a little while and you told me about a few lies yes
2: yeah
1: i mean i I just get the sense you don't trust him and i understand you know i'm not accusing you of something like you're suspicious it seems like you don't trust him because he from the beginning wasn't telling you the truth about some things and then lied about things about where he was. Um, And it's always like he has no choice. I did say before, I don't blame you at all for his lies, but being aware of, let's say he says, I want to see my son before all of this. Um, Could he have a conversation with you? It would be important. But sometimes when the trust is broken, it's hard to build it back. And you might be in that situation with him. So, I think, okay. you know, don't discount that feeling. Of course, you miss him. Don't, that's not, uh, you know, necessarily means it's the right relationship. You're always going to miss someone. If you don't miss someone after two years, I'd be actually very concerned about you, no matter what, even if the relationship was really bad. So, um, you
2: think he will lie again? I- I'll ask you, I'll lies. ask
1: yourself that question.
2: But maybe I'm deceiving myself. I don't know. I just. I think you're so lying to yourself. Yeah.
1: I mean, I mean, I think I get it. You don't want to lose him. Um, you're saying he was taking care of you in all these ways. But this is always my issue with these things where it's like there's some basics that if you don't have, it doesn't matter if someone buys you a hundred million dollar house. But if they want to lie to you, now, I mean, if you want, you can take that. But if they're lying to you, that basic, it doesn't mean the rest doesn't matter. If you don't have a foundation, you can't have a really nice penthouse. It's floating in the air and then it collapses. So yeah. um, those things that he does for you, it's nice, but it doesn't, to me, doesn't mean much if someone doesn't want to give you the basics of a relationship, which is honesty, to have that trust. these um,
2: so you think these are very important things that he hate
1: Again, he I would ask you, you if they were important to you. You know, when you're saying I'm going to his house and, you know, if it wasn't important, then you wouldn't care. Why did you go to, why did you follow him? Why are you tracking him? You know, you're you're telling yourself and you're telling me it's important. If you didn't care, then whatever, okay, he lied about that, but clearly you do. And that's all I'm saying is you have to make a decision for yourself, but don't discount your feelings because of losing an attachment, um, losing someone. Mm -hmm. I think, I don't know if you built him up, you know, he said he's handsome and looks younger than his age and he's driving a nice car. I mean, the way you're talking about him, there's this pompousness about him. Like that you're, you know, attracted to some image of him too, and he takes care of me, this this man. Um, but there's also ways where he's not taking care of you that I hope you don't discount those things.
2: Even when the first day these things these things happened about three weeks ago, he sent some money to my yeah, bank and he also sent that, me a message that i will pay for the car forever even if you don't talk that's to me fine forever, that doesn't that's not my responsibility i will always pay for that don't worry about that like, look, i just don't know what to do at now.
1: The, look at the end of the day if that that it's your decision but to me that doesn't mean very much doesn't mean no when it comes mm-hmm. to, to honesty like he's almost saying i, I want to buy my lies how much does it cost to lie? Okay, I can. will yeah, do it next time. Yeah. Three thousand per lie. Okay, I can do that. So th- that's. But don't
2: you think? Sorry for interruption. Don't you think if this lie is just because of his son, is not that as important as if he, if he were with a woman? Definitely, I would
0: have <laughs> never talked.
1: Well, that, I, I would hope. So. I mean, well, I guess everyone can make their own decision about all these things. You're, what I'm telling you is when you tell me the story. You tell me I was very upset about something, but then quickly you tell me those feelings are not that important because you don't want to lose him. And so I'm just saying to me, make sure you don't lose sight of those feelings first. You still make a decision with all of that. But it seems like you're taking those feelings away because you don't want to lose him more than it's that really you want to be with him. You're more afraid to Yeah, and to doctor,
2: lose he said I will write uh, a piece paper for you and I will sign it and I will promise that I won't lie to you anymore so you think these are not important i cannot trust, this.
1: This you can, trust you look you can if you want you can give him another chance i get the sense you will from how you're talking about it that you don't want to lose him it, it's your choice i'm just saying don't lose sight of the things that are important for you
2: important
1: that and that's up to you to figure out how that how much you value those things if you want to give him another chance you can But just be aware of when you're trying to track him and follow him and punish him this is not part of a loving relationship to punish our partner he
2: himself told me that we have lost uh, trust and this is not a good relationship i know but even when he he says that
1: i know but he's take he's blaming that on you so that's another theme that seems like he blames you and you take that on maybe i got mad at him maybe i got sensitive you know he's blaming you for that to blame you for the trust is really very very unfair to say you're the reason we have trust issues i lied to you about our age, my age on day one and all these other things but you're the one that that's the problem there does seem to be some d- dynamics of blaming uh you know the victim and himself becoming the victim of everything um you know so I, like i said if, if you do want to talk to him it's about it's not that okay but you lied to your son that if you can't tell me we have a problem if you can't even if you think i'm going to lose my mind you have to be able to tell me and if you can't then we are in trouble and that there's a, these situations are going to come up again. This is not everything is going to be easy from going forward. I do have to to wrap up. We're kind of over, way over the commercial break. But I do wish you the best. Yeah. You're going to have to make your own decision. I know you wanted me to tell you.
2: Doctor, do you think it's a good idea if I ask him to call you and talk to you? Or
1: I, I'm not. I mean, that's up to you. I mean, that's. But that's. Not, I think you're thinking I'm going to be able to understand him or read his mind for you, and I'm not going to. He'll tell me the same things. I, I'm never going to lie again. This is why it happened. Yeah. You know, my son. I, I yeah. mean it's up to you but I think you're looking for there's no one's going to be able to tell you for sure what's going to happen you have to make the best yeah. decision from yeah. your okay. understanding wish you all the best yeah.
2: thank you so sure. much Doctor. have a good so day good take care, you. Take, thank care. You. take care all right.
1: bye. Thank you. bye thank you okay let's go to another commercial break we'll be right back welcome back so to end the show I did want to talk about today in the United States of America a historic day January 20th, the inauguration of President Joe Biden, and it has been a tumultuous, maybe two weeks or maybe four years, long time, uh, here in the United States, but today did mark a transition of power. We usually say peaceful transition of power, but with what happened two weeks ago, it's hard to call it peaceful with everything that we experienced. and. With a few weeks now that have passed since there was the storming, the attack on the Capitol, it is becoming even more real and really heartbreaking to see what had happened Um, and also seeing what's happening now and where we are, the current state of affairs in the United States. It is going to be a long road ahead to see how things will get better, but I am hopeful that they will. So I want to share a few thoughts about what is going on. Um, To begin with, today some people are very happy, maybe half or maybe a little bit more than half, depending on how you cut things are happy about the inauguration of Joe Biden, but also a big percentage is is very unhappy about it. Um, And so we have to be mindful of the fact that if you feel like now your team won or your team is in power, Uh, That doesn't mean that all is well, first of all, doesn't mean everything's going to turn out like you even want it. But at the end of the day, if we don't have everyone together, if we don't have some semblance of unity, we are going to be or continue to be in trouble. And it's uh, almost ironic that we are called the United States of America when right now we are so disunited. So what happened two weeks ago was a shame, was really bad, was horrible. And for people who are on the left, it's very easy to point and say, see, this is how bad the right is. And yes, it was a horrible thing, a very sad thing, but this doesn't mean that everyone, all let's say 70 million people that voted for Donald Trump are in favor of this or would do that. So we have to be aware that that doesn't represent everyone. And I see this happening from both sides to find the craziest people, the most extreme people from the other side and say, see, look, this is what they are. This is what they all are, um, which is not true. And so in any group, you can find bad people. Um, If you look in any group of Democrats, Republicans, any religious group, any cultural group, any ethnic group, you can find some bad people. And if you point to them and say, see, this is what they are, um, you're going to be missing the bigger picture which is there's a lot more to them than that and that's not who everyone is in that party or in that uh, demographic or in that uh, voting block so we want to make sure we don't lose sight of the fact that there's a lot of people that are unhappy that are reasonable people too so if you are happy today uh, i think also historic to have a female and a woman of color elected to be vice president that was historic as well and i think um, i I was happy about that but even if you're just happy today that your quote unquote team is in power now be aware that that's not going to be the solution when we just try to overpower the people we don't like we don't really get very far whether it's within your country or within the world Uh, you know sometimes the american military mindset is just kill all your enemies and then you'll have peace but this doesn't work if you just try to overpower them and kill them you first of all won't get rid of all of them and you'll create more enemies we have to find a way to work together to be together to live together and right now we are very polarized um, i am remembering four years ago when donald trump was elected and i did a show the day after the election i did share that i was not happy with him being elected not from a Republican Democrat type of a mindset, but more that even in his campaign and what he continued to show is his mindset is more about himself, but also bullying and talking bad about people, um, to get to where he wanted to get And to me. I was unhappy that we elected a bully to be president. Didn't matter Republican or Democrat. And I don't want to say everything that everyone does is equal. I do want to be balanced but at the same time it doesn't mean it's all equal I think what he did was very unfair and unfortunate saying that you know the election was rigged I know people do feel very strongly about this but from what we're seeing in the evidence that did not seem to be the case and he did not want to acknowledge that he lost more than anything else and we saw this at every election that he did not win going back to even primaries from 2016 or even um, the the presidential election, saying he didn't lose the popular vote, although he won the electoral college vote, and so um, I think what he did was horrible, and I think history will remember that. I don't know what's going to happen as far as impeachment and and the hearings and what what that what will happen then, but I do think history should remember that what he did was contribute to more of the disunity. I think both sides contribute to the disunity, but if I look at His presidency, I can't see anything that he really did to contribute to the unity of the country. It was very much about making sure he kept who he liked on his side. Um, I'm sure the Democrats are doing that in a lot of ways as well. I did like, at least in Joe Biden's speech, I didn't get to see all of it, but there were calls to unity. And of course, um, those are wonderful words, but we're going to have to see if it's followed up by action. Um, Everyone talks about unifying and coming together, but we have to see what we do. And I hope each and every one of us will also contribute to that unification. And the first step is gonna be first to recognize that you don't know everything you think you know as far as even the facts, unfortunately, but even what is the best policy going forward. And you also don't know the other side the way that you think you do. They are not all bad, evil people, immoral, stupid, um, what's interesting is both sides think the other side hates America uh, for different reasons and in different ways. But really, the majority of people don't, almost a um, very small portion, actually dislike the country that they're living in. Doesn't mean they don't want it to be better, but they don't dislike it. They are not trying to make things bad. Um, and if you dehumanize and see the other side as evil, we're only going to continue to be polarized and get separated and we won't come together. So, yes, it is a big day but the problems that we have are all still there from of course coronavirus the economy all of that but even just the state of our country the state of our union here in the united states that we are very divided and i hope that people will always take a look in the mirror to see how they themselves can contribute to that unity don't look for other people who are the problem see what you can do to be more a part of the solution and so i'm hopeful for the country and also for the world going forward that we can recognize this and see that vilifying those that disagree with you won't get us very far we have to find common ground and find that common humanity to come together and move forward uh, so we'll see how how that goes um and probably we'll share some more thoughts on this but we are at the end of today's show big thank you to Ghazaleh here in the studio you've been listening to in session with dr farid we have a wonderful day Thank you.